and welcome to the Equity Expert Podcast. I am Jed Namazi, Content Director for the NESPP. Today's episode is an oldie but a goodie. It's bringing back one of our earliest episodes on this podcast with Paz Dizon. She has a wealth of information to share and everything she said when we first talked to her eight years ago still rings true today. So this is a fabulous episode. You'll want to hear everything she has to say. And if you stay tuned to the end, we'll have an update on what she's doing now and where she's at. So take a listen and enjoy the episode. Hello, and welcome to the NESCP's Equity Expert podcast series. You are listening to episode number eight, an interview with Paz Dizon. I am Jen Namazi with the NESCP and your host for this podcast series. And if you're just catching up with us, this podcast series is really a collection of interviews with some of the top experts in the field of equity compensation. With each episode, we have a little bit of a different flavor. Um, some of them give a perspective on an expert's journey through the industry and some of their tips and secrets for becoming an expert or kind of rising you know, to a certain position in this field. Other episodes are very topic-specific, covering very micro-topics within the field of equity compensation. So we hope you'll consider subscribing to the podcast series and stay with us as we continue to explore a lot of different topics. Before we get started, I just want to remind you we have many resources available to stock plan professionals on our website. Uh, we have a free article right now on performance plan issues to avoid. It's on our homepage, www.neapp.com. You can go there for more information. And so as I mentioned in the title, today we are very lucky. We have with us Paz Dizon. She's the manager of stock plan services for Tesla Motors. So welcome, Paz. <laughs> We're thrilled to have you. And I just want to point out before we get started, I'm not going to run into two deep of a bio with you because I know we're going to talk a little bit about your background and kind of how you got into the industry. I just want to mention to everybody listening that Paz, she obviously works for an issuer company. She's just one of those people who, you know, is always ready to volunteer or jump in to help somebody, and she's just well known to us here at the NASPP. It's a pleasure to have her. I will highlight last year at our conference, she was an individual achievement award winner she received an award from the NASPP just for her many contributions to this industry and the NASPP in particular. So we are excited to talk with her a little bit about her background and how she's kind of gone navigated through the stock plan industry over her time in this field and learned some of the things that she has to share with us. Well, Jen, like many of us in the industry right now, we all started out with doing something else. And then we happen to stumble into the field of equity compensation. In my case, I started out as an admin to the director of finance for Gilead Sciences. And that was because I had a background in accounting. I had, well, I was carrying with me as my CPA from the Philippines at that time. So they thought that they could leverage that. And so I was doing work as as an admin. And then at that time, it was the controller, the corporate controller of Gilead that was handling the database, the stock administration database, and the associated transactions. That was possible only because there were about 600 employees, not very many stock transactions, etc. I remember that in the beginning, I, I was watching her sending confirmations of exercise by mail and everything, and she was handwriting addresses on envelopes. I mean, Really, that's the corporate controller of Gilead Sciences. 
but as it turned out, her husband had to relocate, and of course she would go with him, and she and the family were going to relocate to Texas. So she just looked around and said, okay, I think that you could do this. She trained me for two hours, showed me how to work the basics of the database or the stock admin software, and then she handed me some binders, and off she went. To oh, my Texas. goodness. <laughs> and the rest is history. So I had to do a lot of self-study and attending classes. I remember Barb Baksha was one of the first people that introduced the whole software thing to me. And I learned what I know now from Barb Baksha, Emily Servino, these industry experts that got a lot of us started. And, you know, I took it to where I am today. So it was, it was a funky start, but I stuck through it. And as it turned out, it was the best transition in my life. I've really enjoyed the journey. That It's now been almost 17 years, I think, wow. that I've been doing. Yeah, but I've been in, in the industry, and it's been a great ride. Well, I'm so glad you shared that because I, I think a lot of people listening, I mean, it's one of those things that you don't say, I'm going to college to become a stock plan professional. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that people do fall into, and just hearing you say it's, you know, you felt it was such a great decision that you stuck with it, I think is inspiring to a lot of people who may be getting into it and wondering, oh, you know, what is this field? There's a lot to it. You know, am I going to like this? And 17 years is a long time to have stuck with it. You know, one thing about equity administration is there is so many facets to it. You're looking at securities law. You're looking at tax. You're looking at, of course, accounting. And then there's leveraging technology to administer the plans and regulatory compliance, and then there's international. There's so many things to keep you stimulated and to keep your mind challenged. And you can always find something to, to motivate you to achieve a certain goal. So there's always something. Absolutely. So on that note, I guess, what do you enjoy the most about, you know, you've been in the industry for a while now, so... Is there something that you found that you just, you know, a certain aspect of it that you really enjoy? Well, I think the fact that there's so much data that is under my sole responsibility and I have, I am given custody of all this data that is so valuable to the company and to the employees. And, you know, I was just looking at a report and I was seeing that, wait, the intrinsic value of the stock options and RSUs that are currently under my control is in the billions of dollars. And I'm like, wow, do people know that? Do people know that this is, I'm handling a portfolio or the portfolios for people and this is how much value is sitting in my database right now. So it's, it's mind boggling. And because of that, you feel the sense of ownership, sense of responsibility you have to do the best you can to keep the integrity of that database. And when people ask you for information, then you need to make sure that you are giving the most accurate information to all the stakeholders and all your clients, quote unquote, because you can't mess up. You really can't. And that, for me, is the most enjoyable, the most challenging part of doing what I do. And then you leverage the latest technology to do that and to do it in the most efficient way possible without compromising internal controls because, of course, 
the stocks people are watching you all the time, and then there's regulatory compliance. So in order to get all of this orchestrated, you need to be on top of your game and just make sure that you stay abreast with the latest developments. Well, great point. So you work for an issuing firm. You're obviously working you know, for an issuing firm that you know, has some value to its equity programs, quite a significant value. And what are the challenges that come with that? So is there just something, is there a challenge just generally working for an issuing firm or something very specific to, you know, aside from like, keeping up with things, is there something that you struggle with, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis just because of the way your programs are structured? Is there just something you feel is very challenging working on the issuer side? I don't know if it is uh, specific to being to working for an issuer, but what I find is most challenging is budgetary restraints and limited resources that I'm given to work with. Because here at Tesla, of course, as we're on this growth trajectory, the need to expand and and the volume and the complexity of the transactions is there, and so I need more resources to deal with it and to make sure that everything goes well and, and, and the machinery stays well oiled. But the capitalization of Tesla isn't growing as fast as the company, so I have to make sure that I do the best I can with the limited resources I have. And right now I'm doing this by myself still. You know, there's 8,000 employees here at Tesla and it's only recently that I got approved another headcount, so I'm really looking forward to having some assistance. But the only way that I could do what I do now is to the best use of the resources that I have on hand with, without falling. You know, there's a lot of things that you can rely on for free resources such as the NASPP. That's one huge help. You know, every time I have a question, I go to the, one of the portals that are available on the website and there's always the answer to a question that I have. And then there's the, of course, the blog, and there's vendor conferences, newsletters. There's a lot of areas you can turn to that don't cost anything. And I think that's great, and I'm not plugging it just because I, you know, we're, we're the NASCP, but I think sometimes people you know, think that you know, they always have to spend money to get information, and sometimes you do, and sometimes you, know, you have to go consult advisors and things like that, but there is a wealth of information available out there, and so I'm glad you, know, you pointed out that there are a lot of things that you can access, or even just through the course of having a membership or things like that that can make a difference in getting information and, and so forth. So I remember being a new stock plan professional. It was almost as many years ago as when you started in this field. And so I feel like, you know, my memory is fading a little bit, but not so much. I still remember what it was like and just feeling some of the confusion that I think happens when people fall into a role within this field. Because like you mentioned earlier, there is a lot and a lot to learn, different aspects and things to keep up with. And it's very interesting, but sometimes I think it can feel overwhelming when you're new to the field. So you know, just kind of stepping back and remembering what it was like to be new to the field. I mean, you've come a long way, you know, and you've been in the industry for quite a while. If you were, you know, you talked about hiring someone. Like if it was a new stock plan professional and they were sitting in front of you and you were going to mentor them a little bit, what advice would you give to them about building their career in this field? Well, I will say that you always need to stay on top of your game. 
need to build your credibility within the industry and within the company first and then within the industry. And you can do that by understanding why you, you are doing what you do, what value do you bring to the company, and what is the impact of your role in the company and the business. And then you should build your industry network, which you can do by involving yourself in organizations and activities, volunteer, work towards earning your CEP, which, by the way, I have to plug, is a big confidence and ego booster. And also, it gives you an exposure to all aspects of equity compensation. So even if you don't actually use it in practice, at least you've heard of it, you know about it, you can discuss and argue intelligently about any topic in the field. So I would encourage any new stock plan professional to pursue that. What great tips. Thank you. So I want to shift it a little bit. Okay, so we talked about the new stock plan professional. And then you know, there's also a lot of people that have been in the industry for a while, so, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years, I mean, 20 years. There's a lot of people who've you know, been out there for a while now. And one of the things, and I know I have struggled with this personally as well, is that, you know, you get to a point where you've learned a lot and there's always new things to learn. You've kind of accumulated some experience under your belt and, you know, you're still trying to set yourself apart a little bit or to stand out as an expert or a top issuer or, or someone. And I, I bring this up with you because, you know, you work for a company that's kind of hot right now and it's emerging and I'm sure that the role that you're in you know is one that is probably desirable to many stock plan professionals if there was an application or an, you know an opening or things like that and so I'm kind of curious how did you set yourself apart or how do you kind of position yourself you've obviously got a lot of knowledge you've got experience you've been in the industry for a while but then how do you stand out from everybody else or how would you encourage someone to kind of set themselves apart so that you know, when, an, when they are ready to move to a new opportunity, that they are recognized as someone who stands out a little bit or they shine a little bit. Well, you know, one thing that I found is that uh, as we're, we're trying to recruit for people, we are looking for people that are doing well in their company, doing well in, in their particular current position. Usually these people are happy doing what they do because they're challenged and they're motivated and they're recognized within their company. So, And then we try to pirate these people, right? I think that's <laughs> that's just how recruiters do it. So to, to even be in that position, you have to establish credibility within your company, aim for excellence all the time so you're recognized as a subject matter expert and that you're also recognized in your field if your name is, is out there in the industry and people recognize, oh, when they hear your name, they're like, oh, she's good at this or she's good at that or, you know, she speaks on several panels all the time and we all hear her all the time. And then I think one, one good tip is to find your specialty. So we're all, I think we're a jack of all trades and we wear many hats all the time. But if you find your niche and find your specialty, if it is communicating with and educating employees, if that's what you like doing, if that's what you love doing, then just try and do the best you can there and, and uh, make that your field of specialty. If it's ASC 718 and accounting for equity comp, if that's your thing, then just 
make that your your field or if it is being the go-to person for anything tax related as it is connected to equity compensation and to accounting then you'll be known as the tax expert within the company and also in the industry so when you're applying for jobs or when people come to you and ask you to apply for an opportunity then you can speak to to these people with pride and confidence and talk to them about where you're good at or what your field of specialty is and that you are an outstanding subject matter expert and that they could be fortunate enough to have you on their team you know you need to make make it appear like oh I'm doing you a favor by joining your company so I mean you know just just have enough confidence and it sounds like it's kind of the art of positioning you know it's how you're perceived and like I'm hearing from you it's about how you're helping other people to perceive you you know and and that goes a long way into I guess adding to your perceived value in the industry exactly usually when I'm doing these episodes I you know I try to ask people to tell me something that we don't know about them it could be fun or work related or, or anything but in your case I know and for those listening we did feature pause in a recent edition of the NASP advisor we have a a feature on page 11 and I think pause you were the first one that we did this with where like I was you don't know yes you were the first <laughs> one and it was 10 things we don't know about pause so we've already got 10 things that we didn't know about you and so I'll encourage people to, to go look at that edition and I'm gonna so I'm just gonna ask you a different question because I couldn't ask you the things that we didn't know I guess what's your superpower so like what are you just like fantastic at either personal or professional and I'm sure you could come up with something because we know you're great at many things but if you had to pick one <laughs> what would it be <laughs> okay so I think that both my personal and professional life are enhanced by my ability to establish good relationships with business partners as well as service providers or internal stakeholders because once you have that line of communication and it's just they want to help you do what you do then it just paves the way to successful projects big or small even if it is just you know writing a memo that you send out to employees at the beginning of every open enrollment if you're you and your legal team are on the same wavelength all the time and then you all you need to say is hey Phil approve this for me please is pretty much uh, set to go and then it just comes back to you quick because they want you to have it right away and and then you can send it out no delays whereas if you didn't have that relationship or if you were just a name on an email then it's not going to be as smooth I think that just make sure that you establish good relationships with people that you work with all the time and you know they will want you to to look good they will want you to succeed at what you do and it's just going to be really easy and pleasurable to work with them well I believe you because you are such a pleasant person so I can imagine that you've got a lot of good rapport build up in your organization so yeah that's the word Jen rapport I like that rapport well I yeah. guess we can end on that yeah so that is um, the key <laughs> building rapport and sometimes I think people overlook that the value of really those internal, you know, the relationships that you build too. I think sometimes it's easy just to put your head down and kind of 
you know, try to get done what you think you need to get done, but you just never know when that the beneficial, mutually pleasant relationship will come back to help or, you know, to, you can help them down the road or they can help you. And it kind of, I think there's a lot that revolves around a relationship like you've mentioned. Mm-hmm. Well, great. Well, I think that's a great note to wrap up on. I think you've left us with a lot of great tips and hopefully everybody's got a couple of things at least that they can walk away with and say, yeah, I need to go work on that or think about that. So I really appreciate your time, Pause, in just sharing your experience and your feedback with us today. And we really enjoyed having you. I enjoyed it as well. And thanks very much for uh, featuring me on the podcast series. This episode was originally recorded eight years ago, believe it or not, and fantastically, everything we talked about back then still rings true today, and that is part of what makes this such a great episode, but the reality is it has been eight years, and so some things have changed. For one thing, Pause no longer works for Tesla, so I took a moment to catch up with her and get the update on what she's doing now, and here's how that conversation went. So pause. It's hard to believe it's been eight years since you and I chatted on this episode. So I wanted to get the update on where you're at today. Where is your career taking you since we last spoke? Well, I am very proud to say that the five years that I've worked at Tesla was during the phase where there was explosive growth in the EV industry and Tesla was the leader. And it was a very exciting time. But I did leave in 2015, and I will always look back fondly to the five years that I spent at Tesla. I am currently the head of stock plant services at Jazz Pharmaceuticals, which is a company that's headquartered in Dublin, and we have about 3,000 employees in about 20 countries. All right. So in this episode, you talked a lot about advice you would give to others and just some insights into how to grow a career in equity compensation. And so now that we're several years removed from that, any change to that advice or is that still true today as it was eight years ago? Everything is still relevant, Jen. I I listened to the podcast a few hours ago and I just was, I marveled at the fact that everything rings true today I wouldn't change any advice. As a matter of fact, I will reiterate that it's still what you need to to do to thrive and, and grow in the industry is to stay abreast with all of the latest developments, keep up with your continuing ed, because there's just as you learned, you thought you know all the answers, they change all the questions. So here you go again. Just make sure that you stay the subject matter expert at your company so that they will come to respect you as the go-to stock person. It's all still relevant as of today for the equity professional. You need to just make sure that you leverage the new developments in technology that help you do your work better, the automations, the functionalities that weren't there before, such as the ability to prorate, accelerate, put in new termination codes for certain types of terminations that you want to add to the system. So there's that capability, there's that flexibility these days. So it's it's really both easier and more difficult because of these added technologies. 
easier because it will help you do your job in the long run, but also more difficult because you have to learn it. So it's just great that the industry has grown such that the technology is able to assist in that. And at least it's now scalable. You can grow with it. It can grow with you. It can grow with the industry. All right. Well, I have to ask you, in this original episode, I asked you a question about what was your superpower? And you said to me that it was the ability to build relationships, which I thought was really powerful because there's a lot of technical things you can learn in stock compensation to your point about keeping up on updates and all of that. But then there's also the relationship side of things. And so just coming back to that, I want to ask you now, is that still your superpower? So yes, Jen, this is still absolutely still my superpower. And I think the best way to ensure success in your day-to-day jobs, as well as projects that you might be in, is to establish good working relationships with all the people that you will be dealing with. And having that congenial relationship where you both want to help each other succeed in achieving the unified goal, that's the key to getting things done, the key to making sure you're you organize yourselves in a way that the goals are met and the objectives are achieved. It makes it so much easier and more pleasurable to do the work that is at hand when you have people that you enjoy working with and that you know you're all working towards the same objectives. Well, and I can attest to the fact that you have wonderful relationships because I know here at the NASPP we've just really enjoy working with you on a variety of fronts. So I really appreciate you taking the time out to chat with me today and really give everybody an update and share these timeless insights with everyone. Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? Well, thanks, Jen. I'm really glad that you uh, reached out to me and, and to add a little bit of information to what we had recorded eight years ago. But yeah, things that I have learned over the years now that I'm a more seasoned professional, so to speak, and been doing this for more than 20 years. I think that you stay relevant by trying to mentor people, the people that are coming up behind you that will be taking over the industry, try to share what you've learned over the years, what worked for you, what things that you know are going to be helpful in preparing or in achieving success at, for example, uh, how to be successful at processing an ESPP purchase, things like that, that you don't learn from a book, you learn by doing. And it's really very fulfilling if you're able to share that with other people so that they too can, they can utilize the experience that you've built up over the years. All right. Well, very much appreciate this update. Glad we got to catch up for a moment or two. And hopefully everybody has taken away some amazing insights that they can apply directly to their careers. So thank you, Pause, and we will see everybody on the next podcast episode.